Good morning, afternoon, evening, or whatever time you're listening to this, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the first episode of The Weekly Show. I'm your host, Benson, joined by my co-host, Grace. Hello. My beautiful co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into our episode, we wish you all had a great first week of 2021. I think we can say, while we all thought 2021 was going to be a lot better than 2020, it might turn out to be much, much worse. So but, far, it's been yeah. much worse. So far. But hopefully it gets better later. We're recording this episode on Saturday, January 9th, and we'll be publishing it on Sunday, January 10th, the unofficial beginning of the new week. The next week, too. Today, we'll be covering the weekly news as well as discussing various topics that come to mind. Before we get into the weekly news, I'd like to note that pretty much all of my references, linked in the description, is from the New York Times. It's just where I get all my news. It's just where I read it, and I read their morning and evening briefings, and that's where I get all the events of the day and everything. But with that out of the way, let us get into the weekly news. And the weekly news will be covering Saturday, January 2nd through Friday, January 8th. So not quite a week, but pretty Almost. pretty much. yeah. <laughs> so the first day, Saturday, January 2nd, start of that. On Election Day 2020, General Paul M. Nakasone, the commander of United States Cyber Command, announced that their battle against Russian interference in the election yielded major successes and exposed the other side's weapons, tools, and tradecraft. However, on December 13, 2020, General Nakasone and cyber, and cyber Command discovered a Russian hacking that occurred in March 2020 and according to an article published by the New York Times on Saturday, January 2nd, breached an upward of 250 federal agencies and large American corporations. It was missed for at least nine months. Wow. Nine months? Yeah. Nine months. And what's surprising to find out is that no government agency concerned with cybersecurity, such as Cyber Command, the National Security Agency, and and the Department of Homeland Security, detected this hack. A private cybersecurity company called FireEye discovered it. Oh, wow. Not any federal government agency. That's crazy. Yeah. But intelligence intelligence officials are still investigating the Russian operation and say it could be months or even years before they fully understand the operation. But what we know now is that the the operation is believed to have been conducted by Russia's SVR Intelligence Service. The breach is far broader than first believed, but as of Saturday, January 2nd, Russia attacked as many as 250 networks of 100, not 100, <laughs> 18,000. It's a lot bigger than 100. Yeah. <laughs> but 18,000 government and private networks they gained access to. The United States government was the main target with the Department of Treasury, State, Commerce, Energy, and Defense being breached. And what's important to note is that the Department of Defense put out a statement that said they were never breached, but oh. they didn't give any evidence or they pretty much just said we were never breached. So Seriously? Yeah. Oh. So we'll have to see about that. Yeah. But however, a large number of American corporations such as Microsoft and Amazon were also breached. Oh. Yeah. So Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates better be watching. Yeah, they sure. Their companies. Yeah. <laughs> Hackers primarily use SolarWinds, which is a software company based in Austin, Texas, 
and their software is used by federal agencies as well as resellers of Microsoft software as a conduit for the attacks. SolarWinds has a history of lackluster security for its products due to cost savings that slashed common security practices to increase profit margins, according to interviews done by the New York Times. According to the New York Times, annual profit margins for SolarWinds increased from $152 million in 2010 to $453 million in 2019. So obviously the chief executive did some cost savings there a lot. Yeah. And slashed a lot of practices in order to have that large of a gain in profit margin. But some of the SolarWinds software was engineered in Eastern Europe. So uh, federal intelligence officials believe that some of the software that might be engineered there might, some Russian agents might have had some, some, might have had something to do with it. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. As a result, the chief executive of SolarWinds is resigning and has sidestepped questions of the intrusion, which is good. So hopefully uh, the next chief executive of SolarWinds decides to implement some more security practices so this will never happen Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) The hackers took advantage of laws that prohibit the National Security Agency and Department of Homeland Security from entering and defending private sector networks and avoided the Department of Homeland Security's malware detection system by ed- embedding themselves into software updates. So essentially, they they embedded themselves into software updates. So, you know, everyone needs to install a software update. Yeah. So when that happened, they would be inside the computers, like the software, so they could they gain access to that computer, essentially. That's crazy. At least that's, I, I don't have a degree in, you know, computer engineering yeah. or computer sciences, so... I'm just mm-hmm. as uneducated about this as yeah, the general populace, but that's cra- it's crazy how all that stuff works. Yeah, it is. So easily like get into places. Yeah, and it your is. phone can have viruses and yeah. all just that from, stuff is just, just so crazy clicking, to me. Just from clicking a link, a phishing yeah, link. That's yeah. It's scary. Yeah, to it have, is. Like any private information on your phone and stuff because yeah. people can easily get it without if you don't have like a vpn or something yeah for sure you know yeah even over just public wi-fi yeah you know you see all those ads from youtubers you're like oh the vpn ads. yeah nord vpn everything now yeah all their like ads are about vpns nord vpn prevents hackers from stealing your (laughs) data over public (laughs) wi-fi like cody co's yeah ads that's all they ever i ever yeah. hear from Nord youtubers VPN, now express vpn but it's important yeah, people it need to protect their you know yeah, information because obviously it's pretty easy for people to yeah it is get their information yeah so. if you just know how to then and people generally don't do that so as long as you have the know-how to do yeah. that you can do it pretty easily because a lot of people don't have vpns and or even think about the fact that their stuff can be stolen and yeah, of course. Stuff so easily. Yeah, and there's a there's all these dark web uh, sensors on different you know like password protections, like Dashlane or yeah for NordVPN or ExpressVPN, and which is good. And yeah. but people have you know their information published on the dark web all the time. That's crazy. Yeah. This is not an ad for any yeah. of those. Any so maybe they will sponsor us. That'd be cool. That would be cool. <laughs> get a lot of money (laughs) (laughs) 
But so basically, they say we may have missed this for nine months because we were fo- so focused on election security that this may have diverted our attention from these hackings. Hmm. So the Russians they timed it right. Yeah. So we were yeah. like looking this way at elections, but we weren't looking at the federal government. Oh, so that that's crazy. While they're, you know, while the cops were investigating like an armed robbery at a store, the bank robbers were. Yeah. Yeah, for robbing the bank. <laughs> Intelligence officials are debating how to rid federal agencies of the SVR, of the SVR, and they don't know where to like start a new destroy all the systems because the SVR agents are still inside the system like the software so they're oh, still yeah. like they st- can still get information but so they're debating where they should just destroy the soft everything and start a new or whether to you know meticulously go through everything and root them out one by one and that would take forever that would and I think but I don't know. Restarting it anew would cost a lot of money too, so oh, yeah. it's a juggling of so they just time it either and, way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what's surprising to me is the Trump administration has not really responded to these attacks, at least to my knowledge, because I haven't read any news articles about them responding, and it shows that sanctions and other measures taken by President Trump have not deterred the Russians from anything. Um, I mean, meanwhile, you know, yeah. we do it, of course. We hack into the Russian stuff all the time, but... Do we? Yeah, I think we do. I remember reading stuff <laughs> about know. it. Yeah. I think, yeah, we have. But, no, we haven't... Trump hasn't responded to... President Trump hasn't responded to this. Hmm. So it's surprising because this is a huge breach of our federal government. Yeah. And they could have gotten information that could be potentially damaging to the, you know... The U.S.? Yes, to the U.S. Hmm. So it's surprising to see that Trump has said nothing about it. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on from that, according to an article published by the New York Times on Saturday, January 2nd, there have been target killings directed at civil servants, media figures, human rights workers and former and current security forces members in Afghanistan following the February 29th peace agreement between the Taliban and the United States in 2020. According to data by the New York Times, target killings have caused the deaths of at least 136 civilians and 168 security forces members. Security force members. These target killings have been carried out either using gunfire or homemade bombs assembled using plastic high explosives and magnets. So essentially, they could these bombs could use the magnets to stick to cars or anything metal oh. to blow them up and kill whoever they want to kill. American and Afghan security officials both accused the Taliban of playing a role in these killings, but the Taliban both deny these ac- accusations and condemn the killings. And the purpose of these killings, if they're carried out by the tal- by the Taliban, might be to degrade public trust in the Afghan government. Silence those who oppose the Taliban and their government and terrorize Afghans into submitting to whatever terms come out of the peace deal. And this raises questions ahead of a withdrawal of the U.S. of the United States military from Afghanistan. So when 
the United States military pulls out at, after a peace deal has been established between the United States and the Taliban. Who knows what might happen? And maybe the Taliban will take power again and we'll see the same government that existed in Afghanistan in the 1990s exist again in Afghanistan if these killings get bad enough. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I know ever since uh, the war in Afghanistan and has framed the war in, not in Afghanistan, but just the war on terror in the Middle East. Yeah. We don't, there's not much news about it now. But, yeah, I haven't heard anything about it for quite a while. Yeah, but it's important to think about because these are people too. And yeah. the Afghans deserve a good government, a Democrat, a democracy, just as much as we do. Yeah. Just as much as everyone else in the world does. Everybody deserves Yeah, not just people in the United heard. States. Yeah. yeah. But everyone in the world does. And sadly, not everyone gets enough democracy that yeah. they can live under with the freedoms that we have. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. On s- moving on to Sunday, January 3rd, the 116th United States Congress ended on Sunday, January 3rd, and the 117th United States Congress was sworn in and convened on the same day subsequently. And the subsequently voted Representative Nancy Pelosi of California back to her position as Speaker of the House. And with the uh, 2020 United States presidential election over, the Democrats control, well, not, well, I guess as of recording this, it is over, but yeah. when this happened, wasn't, but the Democrats controlled 222 of 435 seats after losing seats to Republicans during the 2020 uh, general election and that's the slimmest that's a really slim majority because mm-hmm. I think it's to have a majority in the house it's 218 seats so oh, yeah they only have four seats over so it's a pr- pretty slim majority and move speaking of the election in a recording first published online on Sunday January 3rd by the Washington Post President Trump attempted to pressure Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to find votes to overturn his loss of 16 electoral votes in Georgia in a tape call. According to the New York Times, President Trump both pressured and threatened Raffensperger and the chief lawyer for the Secretary of State's office, Ryan Germany, with a criminal offense during a telephone call that lasted an hour on Saturday, January 3rd. And President Trump is quoted as saying, quote, I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, unquote. And he's also quoted as saying, quote, you know what they did and they're reporting it. You know, that's a, a criminal, and he paused here, that's a criminal offense. And you know, you can't let that happen. It's a big risk to you and to Ryan, your lawyer. It's a big risk, unquote. Good. However... Raffensperger stood by Georgia's election results and rejected President Trump's wishes wishes to change the vote count. And Raffensperger is quoted as saying, Well, Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. Unquote. During the call, President Trump cited false conspiracy theories that official voter boxes were stuffed with ballots, casts were buying from suitcases or trunks, poll watchers were absent from their posts, 
ballots were cast by dead people and out-of-state voters. Ballots were burned or shredded, and there are more ballots cast than people who voted, all of which have been fact-checked by the New York Times and proved to be false. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that many people, like, committed voting fraud. Yes, of course. Election fraud. <laughs> election fraud. And, That's... of course, there is some cases of election fraud, but just not to the scale that our president yeah. has been saying it has been, too. And dead people did it? Yeah. I think That's... in the article I read about it, Raffensperger said, or not, I, maybe it's not an article about this, but just in in general, mm-hmm. they said two pe- two dead people voted in Georgia. Two? Yeah, only two. Not so, nowhere <laughs> close to scale. Yeah, I know. President Trump thinks election fraud was committed. And additionally, President Trump tweeted on Tuesday, January 5th, that the vice president has the power to reject fraudulently chosen electors, to which Vice President Pence told President Trump that he did not believe he had the power to block congressional certification of President-elect Joe Biden's victory the presidential election, according to the New York Times. And I feel bad for Pence here because he has to... He essentially has to walk a delicate line of siding with uh, President Trump so that he can be his running mate and say if Trump decides, President Trump decides to run again in 2024. Mm-hmm. And he also has to respect the Constitution. Yeah, so he so, has to go against him, but in a... In a really nice way. In a really nice way, yeah. In a really gentle way. <laughs> and in an opinion editorial written by all 10 living secretaries of defense published by the Washington Post on Sunday, January 3rd. They said, and these, all 10 of these include secretary of defenses such as Donald Rumsfeld and James Mattis and Dick Cheney. So -hmm. all 10 of those who are living. Yeah. They said, quote, the time for questioning the results have passed. The time for the formal counting the of the electoral college votes as prescribed in the constitution and statute has arrived addition unquote additionally they warned against involving the military in the election saying quote efforts to involve the u.s armed forces in resolving election disputes would take us into dangerous unlawful and unconstitutional territory civilian and military officials who direct or carry out such measures would be accountable, including potentially facing criminal penalties for the grave consequences of their actions on our republic. Similarly, more than 170 170 chief executives and other leaders in America's largest businesses urged Congress to certify President-elect Joe Biden's victory on Monday, January 4th, according to the New York Times. So we have a lot of very influential people coming forward to say that Basically, the election, the 2020 United States presidential election is over. Mm-hmm. And the time for contesting the results is past, and we need to move on from this as a country. And just accept the results. Yes, essentially. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as you know, we still have to, that still hasn't happened as when I wrote this, yeah. when I wrote the script on Sunday and Monday when all these things took place. And we all know what happened this week. But yeah. Yeah. 
but we'll talk about that later, not now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In July 2020, Oregon lawmakers approved a measure that would set aside $62 million of $1.4 billion in federal aid from the CARES Act to provide, to quote, provide grants to black residents, business owners, and community organizations enduring pandemic-related hardships to address how the novel coronavirus is disproportionately affecting African Americans. This is all according to an article published by the New York Times on Sunday, January 3rd, but millions of dollars in grants are on hold as lawsuits from one Mexican American and two white business owners argue that the special fund discriminated against them. In one of the lawsuits, a plaintiff named Walter Legia, who is a white 64-year-old male, said he is on the verge of laying off employees from the electrical services company he started in Salem, Oregon in 2007 if he did not, relieve, if he did not receive relief money soon. Opponents of the measure, such as Edward Blum, a white conservative activist leading the organization Project Unfair Representation, said, quote, your race and your ethnicity should not be used to help you or harm you in your life's endeavors, according to the New York Times. Supporters of the measure say that the $62 million is only 4.13% of the $1.4 billion provided in federal relief aid. The New York Times, in their article, cites a study done by Stanford University that found the number of black-owned businesses <clears throat> sorry, dropped by 41% from February to April, where, while Latinos experienced 32% decrease, Asians a 26% decrease, and whites a 17% decrease. These lawsuits show that despite the socioeconomic and health disparities exposed by the pandemic that that African Americans face and the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, we are still asking ourselves, what is discrimination and how should we amend harm caused by racial discrimination? That's what's significant to me about this because despite you know all that i say before about the health disparities and the resurgence of the resurgence of the black lives matter movement and the reckoning that we as americans have had with uh discrimination and racism mm-hmm. that despite this we're still asking ourselves what is this and how do we what is discrimination like is it obviously discrimination is say uh you're not you uh not letting african americans go to a school of white people as in you know during jim crow mm-hmm. but is it also discriminatory to uh like when if whites weren't allowed to go to an african-american school and it's mm-hmm. that's why it's this is significant to me because we're still asking ourselves what is discrimination? I guess everybody defines it slightly different. Yeah, of course. Like, obviously, there's a general agreement most of the time mm-hmm. on what is discriminatory. Yeah. But people do have slight differences yeah. in what they think is actually... Yeah, of course. And, yeah. And, like, I type these questions out, mm-hmm. such as, to what extent racial... To what extent should racial discrimination in the past, such as slavery and Jim Crow, be considered in our decisions in decisions made today? And should your race or ethnicity play a factor in decisions? So the first one, say, 
I think a good example of this question is uh, reparations for slavery. Should that happen or should that not? And I think that's that's what the question is aiming at answering. And the second question is, uh, say, colleges having a quota for accepting this, you know, a certain amount of African Americans, a certain amount of Latinos, and a certain amount of Asians and white people. So it's, we've had a huge reckoning with race and mm-hmm. discrimination in 2020. So. Yeah, once again. Yeah. I think this, these lawsuits are opening that question up again. Yeah. But it's, and that's, you know, of course, this podcast is just totally factual based most of the time. Of course, everyone has their views, but we'll do our best not express them and just tell the facts to you so you can make up your own mind. Because everyone should make up their own mind about something. Yeah, everybody should fact check everything. They shouldn't just believe what they hear from other people. Yes, and same applies for this podcast. You know, if you hear something you think that's not right, then for sure go ahead and go ahead and look it up and if we're not yeah. right then i apologize for that but yeah this these lawsuits are just very significant to me and yeah. i think too it should be significant to us as americans as a whole yeah it should moving on from that mutations in the SARS-CoV-2 virus has caused a new variant of the virus to emerge and this one is known as B117. According to the New York Times, as of Monday, January 4th, the variant has been detected in 33 countries ever since it was first discovered on January 8th in the United Kingdom by the British. And these 33, these 33 countries are the United States, the United Kingdom, Australia, Belgium, Brazil, Canada, Chile, China, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Iceland, India, Ireland, Israel, Italy, Japan, Jordan, Lebanon, Malta, the Netherlands, Norway, Pakistan, Portugal, Singapore, South Korea, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, Taiwan, Turkey, and the United Arab Emirates. And more than 40 countries have closed their borders to British travelers as well as imposing restrictions on travelers who, re- who recently visited countries where the new variant has been detected. And this news is moving on to Monday. If I... Yeah. Wait, I already said that before. <laughs> yeah. Wait, no, I did not. No. no this is moving on to Monday news. Mm-hmm. Monday, January 3rd news. January 4th news. Monday, January 4th news. Uh, where was I? All right. And additionally, in South Africa, a similar variant of the virus has been identified, sharing one mutation with B117. The variant detected in South Africa is known as 501.v2. And British authorities have confirmed two cases of infection in the United Kingdom with the 501.v2 variant detected in South Africa. And Switzerland, Finland, Australia, Zambia, and France have also detected the variant. And on December 24, 2020, Christmas Eve, the head of Africa's Centers 
for Disease Control and Prevention announced the identification of yet another variant found in Nigeria called B.1.207. The new variants are more transmissible, but does not appear to be more deadly than previous variants. So basically, when you get infected with the new variant, it increases the amount of virus in the nose and throat. So when you're breathing, talking, coughing, or sneezing, it expels more virus than with previous variants. That's why it's more transmissible transmissible than previous variants. Oh, great. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just what we need. Yeah, but at least it's not like worse than the other one. Yes. You know, yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. With more pandemic-related news, as vaccinations slowed around the world, scientists and policymakers are, be- are debating whether to reserve the vaccine for second doses or to use those second doses to vaccinate as many people as possible. And this is broken down to European countries are considering vaccinating as many people as possible, while the United States, as well as Pfizer, who is the maker of one of the vaccines, oppose this idea. So I think this is a question of whether do we want less people with full protection or do we want more people with partial protection? And mm. it's a hard question to answer yeah. because vaccinations right now are slowing down around the world. So it's a very hard question to ask. On Monday, January 4th, more than 225 Google engineers and other Google employees revealed that they secretly unionized into the Alphabet Workers Union. And this is highly unusual for the technology industry and follows increasing demands by Google employees on pay, harassment, and ethics. Hmm. And this is, yeah, this is really significant because I don't think anybody in in the technology industry has unionized until this. Oh. Yeah. So. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, British judge ruled on Monday, January 4th, that WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange would not be extradited to the United States, citing that Assange will be at an extremely high risk of suicide if he is. And Assange is wanted in the United States on charges of violating the Espionage Act by obtaining and publishing classified military and, diplomat- and diplomatic documents provided by U.S. Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning in 2010. The documents are related to the war in Afghanistan and Iraq war. He is famous for taking refuge in the Ecuadorian embassy in London to avoid extradition to Sweden to face inquiry into rape allegations that were dropped. And he was later arrested by the British police in 2019 after spending seven years in the embassy. He was indicted in the United States in 2019 on 17 counts of violating, of violating the Espionage Act and conspiring to hack government computers in 2010 and 2011. He could face a sentence of up to 175 years in prison if he if found guilty on all counts. And Julian Assange has been, he's a very controversial, controversial figure around the world because he walks a delicate balance of, yes, while everyone should have, should know what their government is up to, and he published these classified military and diplomatic documents that mm-hmm. you know showed the general population what of the United States what the United States what the federal government has been up to. It's also classified for a reason, mm-hmm. obviously. So 
this is a very fine line. And I know some people, uh, when that, when that, uh, British judge ruled that decision on Monday, there's some pictures of, uh, Julian Assange supporters outside the courthouse who are cheering and everything. And of yeah. course the United States want him back to charge him on those, what he was indicted for. He said he could be faced up to 175 years in prison. Yes. Isn't that like, that's crazy that imagine getting more than you could live in yeah. prison. I, mean, I think some, I'm a fan of true crime podcasts. Yeah. I think we both are. Mm-hmm. And I think some, some of the people I listen to have gone sentences of like a thousand years. That is insane <laughs> because. And deservedly so because some of these people are terrible people. Yeah. But it's, it's like, it's very excessive, you know. I think it's mostly to scare them. Yeah. To be like, you really did something bad. You you done fucked up, boy. Here's a thousand years in prison, even though you can't live that long. Yeah. I'm immortal. (laughs) Well, then you'll be in prison for for that amount of time before you can go out. (laughs) Yeah. Moving on, according to an article published by the New York Times on Monday, January 4th, the pharmacist who was arrested for sabotaging 570 doses of Moderna vaccines worth between $8,000 and $12,000 was found to be an admitted, quote, an admitted conspiracy theorist, unquote, who believed the vaccine could harm people and, quote, change their DNA, unquote. Oh. But, yeah. That's scary. Yeah. According to the New York Times... He works the night shift at Aurora Medical Center in Grafton, Wisconsin. Police of the Grafton Police Department said the pharmacist twice removed a box of vials of the Moderna vaccine from the refrigerator for periods of 12 hours in an attempt to render them useless. The box of vials was discovered outside of the refrigerator on December 26, 2020, and the pharmacist was arrested five days later on December 31st on felony charges of reckless endangerment and property damage. And prosecutors said that the charges could be dropped to a single misdemeanor. The vials were still viable. Oh. And he's, the pharmacist cited medical, marital problems because he's in the middle of divorce Well, when that happened. So that excuses as, that? <laughs> no. But that's why he, I mean, I understand. I'm going because, through a divorce. Yeah. I just had to ruin yeah. vaccines for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> And it's important to note here that the Moderna vaccine involves genes, but not, does not change your DNA. A year after the assassination of Kasim Soleimani, Iran announced on Monday, January 4th, that it increased uranium enrichment levels to 20%, bringing Iran closer to developing the capacity to produce a nuclear weapon within six months. And this is the latest in a series of escalation after President Trump's decision to withdraw from the 2015 nuclear agreement that limited Iran to only four to f- to only four to five percent of uranium enrichment levels. Additionally, it was reported the same day that Iran seized a South Korean chemical tanker, citing, according to New York Times, quote, environmental and chemical pollution concerns. And it was seized while Iran, not, while Tehran, is pressuring Seoul to release $7 billion in frozen funds due to United States sanctions. The the acting Secretary of Defense, Christopher C. Miller, announced that the aircraft carrier USS Nimitz was ordered to remain deployed in the Middle East on Sunday, 
January 3rd, only three days after the carry was ordered to return home in an effort to de-escalate tensions. And this this news has definitely been overshadowed by the other news of this week. Yeah, pretty much everything else has. Yeah, <laughs> but you know this is this is very escalatory of Iran to do to raise their uranium do to raise their uranium enrichment mm-hmm. enrichment levels up to this level, this percentage, and like said like i said this could this brings them closer to uh the to developing the capacity of to produce a nuclear weapon within six months so yeah (laughs) i don't understand um nuclear weapons yeah like there's no yeah there's no everybody's crazy for having those (laughs) because yeah what's the if you use them it destroys like yeah, the, whole world, the whole world not just because who of you're fighting assured, yeah, because yeah. Of mutually assured destruction yeah that's insane yeah and so that's why i love we like the united states doesn't want iran to bring up uranium enrichment levels mm-hmm. like in the 2015 like it's, it's stated in the 2015 nuclear agreement yeah so i mean it's hypocritical that we can't. We won't let other countries like Iran have nukes, but it's understandable yeah, it because, but it, yeah, we are enemies of Iran, and yeah, like and, it's just crazy to me. Like I don't understand people because yeah. it's like it's that serious to you. Like, like these fights between countries is that serious to you that you would ever think about using those, even though it'll yeah <laughs> not just be bad for them, it'll be bad for you also. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The leader of the far-right group, the Proud Boys, Enrique Tario, was arrested on Monday, January 4th by the Metropolitan Police Department in the District of of Columbia on charges of destruction of property due to, according to the New York Times, suspicion of burning a Black Lives Matter banner that was torn from a historic black church in the District of Columbia during protests following the election. Additionally, he was charged with possession for carrying two high-capacity firearm magazines when he was arrested. And this arrest came after officials announced that 340 U.S. Army National Guard troops would be deployed on Tuesday, January 5th, to support local law enforcement for two days in anticipation of protests during during the certification of electoral college votes in Congress by the Proud Boys and other groups in support of President Trump and his false claims that he won the election. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as those concerns came to be true, much truer than we ever wanted. But yeah, it's. <laughs> I remember reading <laughs> reading this the script back after everything happened and being like, "Wow, <laughs> yeah, just wow." Um, it seems like the National Guard and every the military has been like deployed out in yeah, our streets more everywhere. than ever. Yeah. Anything that I know of. Do you know of anything that's been done this much? I don't, I don't remember last. I mean, last time National Guard and you know the actual military was deployed to the our streets was in 1992 during the protests in Los Angeles following the yeah death of Rodney King and it's been a lot this recent yes, year. Has. You know, <laughs> yeah. 
That's crazy. The Kenosha County District Attorney announced on Tuesday, January 5th, that charges would not be filed against the police officer who shot and wounded Jacob Blake on August 23, 2020. According to New York Times, investigators reviewed 40 hours of video and hundreds of pages of police reports before reach, reaching the decision. The, the district attorney said it would be difficult to prove a case against the argument of self-defense. To review, Jacob Blake, who is black, was shot three times by a white police officer after three officers responded to a domestic to a geez to a domestic complaint near an apartment complex in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Blake resisted the officer's attempt to take him into custody and walked along the passenger side of a four-door SUV away from the officers, which prompted the officers to use a taser, which failed. Then the white police officer grabbed Blake's shirt and fired his gun several times into Blake's back. It is important to note that Blake was carrying a knife and turned towards the officers with the knife immediately before he was shot, and this was convent. This was this was co confessed by him. Sorry, I'm having speech problems today apparently, <laughs> but this was confessed by him while he's in the hospital. And additionally, it is important to know that he's going to be paralyzed for the rest of his life because one of the shots severed his spinal cord. Wow. So this is. Another this is uh, another ruling and following a summer full of the police killings of black people. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's we don't know. We weren't there, so we'll never know what happened when what was running through each person's mind. Yeah. But this is a remarkable ruling. After no candidate won a majority of the vote during the twenty twenty United States presidential election, two Senate runoff elections began in Georgia on Tuesday, January 5th, that will determine whether Republicans or Democrats hold a majority in the United States Senate. And like I said, this is essentially two elections because one Georgia senator uh, passed away while he was in office. So they had to have one elect an election to determine who would replace him. But the first election is between incumbent Senator Kelly Leffler and her Democratic challenger, Reverend Raphael Warnock. The second election is between incumbent Senator David Perdue and Democratic challenger John Ossoff. According to the New York Times, election needle the two Georgia Senate runoff elections, which stopped updating on Wednesday, January 6th, Warnock won with a vote margin of two percentage points, while Ossoff won with a vote margin of one point one percentage points. Democratic victory in the Georgia Senate runoff elections give Democrats majority control of the White House and majority in the House of Representatives and in the Senate for the first time in ten years. So ever since Obama mm -hmm. Obama's uh, first term. Democratic victory in the Georgia Senate run runoff elections give give Democrats a narrow margin of a 50-50 tie in the Senate that would be broken by Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. And Senator Chuck Schumer will be Senate Majority Leader, while Senator Mitch McConnell will be relegated to Senate Minority Leader due to the new uh, majority that Democrats attained in the Senate. On Wednesday, January 6th, 53 elected 
pro-democracy officials and activists were arrested by Hong Kong police for participating in an informal primary election under the national security law imposed by the Chinese government in June 2020, according to the New York Times. And this is the latest in the Chinese government's crackdown on pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. And so far, the Chinese government has arrested a lot of people in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And most famous of them is Jimmy Lai, who's, uh, I think, the, he's the founder of a newspaper called Apple Daily, I think. That's oh. pro-democracy. Mm-hmm. But he was eventually, like, I think he's sentenced to house arrest now. Wow. But, yeah, it's, this is not good for Hong Kong. And yeah. It shows how much, how far the Chinese government is willing to go to make sure that they uh, they stay in power and mm-hmm. just to crack down on anything pro-democracy. And this is where we get to the big stuff, the big event, Ooh, the yeah. climax this week. The crazy stuff. Yeah, the one, one big event, one major event this week, though, we'll probably talk about in the 2020 one year in review <laughs> for sure yeah. yeah so on the afternoon of wednesday january 6th actually before we get into this you ready for a break yeah i am yeah well while we go on break you hear an ad from our sponsor anchor so we'll be back shortly with the news this podcast is sponsored by anchor if you haven't heard about anchor this is the It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you automatically. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more without you even having to do anything. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. I'm using Anchor to make this podcast, and it's pretty amazing. And that's me saying that, not Anchor. (laughs) Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And we are back. So, let's get into uh, the... The juicy stuff. Yeah, the juicy stuff, like we said. The major event of this week. On the afternoon of Wednesday, January 6th, Two months after President Trump's refusal to concede to an election that he claimed to be to be fraudulent using false conspiracy theories, even after lawsuits were thrown out and recounts showed no signs of election fraud. Well, no signs of election fraud to the scale that President Trump claims mm-hmm. there were. Because in every election there is But nothing election to fraud. make a difference. Yes. Culminated when pro Trump insurgents stormed the United States Capitol building and disrupted the counting of electoral college votes by Congress in the the process of certifying President-elect Joe Biden's victory in the 2020 United States presidential election. On the afternoon of Wednesday, January 6th, it's repeated two times in the script for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. Thank you. (laughs) But it all began at the Ellipse Park, which is a park south of the White House, where President Trump ended his speech at a Trump rally of his supporters by encouraging them to march on Congress in the United States Capitol building. After President Trump's speech ended, people on social media sites used by far-right 
used by the far right, such as Gab and Parler, organized and planned to storm the, the Capitol building, according to New York Times. The pro-Trump protesters gathered alongside a police barricade set up by Capitol Police. Well, for reference, the White House and the National Mall is only one and a half mile from the Capitol building. So it's an easy walk. It's within walking mm-hmm. distance there. But after uh, the, pro- the pro-Trump's protesters arrived, they gathered alongside a police barrier set up by Capitol Police on the west side of the Capitol building. However, they soon overwhelmed the barricade after Capitol Police attempted to disperse the protesters with flashbangs, and despite Capitol Police's response to the breach with tear gas, they forced their way onto the steps of the Capitol building and swarmed the western and eastern sides of the Capitol building. The insurgents began to flood the Capitol building after a window was broken and the main doors on the east side of the Capitol building, which leads to the rotunda, was breached. Insurgents moved freely inside the rotunda, where some vandalized statues that ring the rotunda. A debate over objections to Arizona's election results was interrupted as the Capitol building was placed in lockdown, and Vice President Pence was evacuated from the chamber of the United States Senate, while representatives and senators were initially ordered to shelter in place in their respective chambers before being evacuated via underground tunnels in the lower levels of the Capitol building. The main doors to the chamber of the House of Representatives were barricaded by Capitol Police while officers drew the weapons to defend the chamber. Insurgents gained access to the Senate chamber and the gallery, which is the floor above the Senate chamber where uh, media often, uh, you know, they film, they record what's going on and where they report from, where some insurgents sat on the die where Vice President Pence was presiding. The suite of offices used by Speaker Nancy Pelosi were breached and vandalized by insurgents. A few blocks away from the Capitol building, the headquarters of both the Republican and Democratic National Committee was evacuated after a pipe bomb was found at the, at the Republican National Committee and a, suspicious, and a suspicious package was discovered at the Democratic National Committee. The pipe bomb was destroyed by a bomb squad and the contents of the package have yet to be identified. Reinforced by the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, and soldiers of the District of Columbia's Army National Guard, Capitol Police were able to clear the insurgents from the Capitol building and the surrounding grounds and establish a perimeter as the District of Columbia's mayor, Muriel Bowser, declared a curfew that would last from 1800 on Wednesday, January 6th to 0600, on Thursday, January 7th. In the ongoing aftermath, the Metropolitan Police Department identified a woman who was shot by Capitol Police and was later pronounced dead, in addition to three other deaths, two men and one woman, due to medical emergencies on, the, on Capitol grounds, according to the New York Times. More than 50 people, more than 50 police officers were injured, with some hospitalized. Vice President Pence, not President Trump, approved the order to activate and deploy the entire District of Columbia National Guard alongside, along with assistance from soldiers of the New York National Guard. Mayor Bowser extended the District of Columbia's public emergency for 15 days through President-elect Biden's inauguration on January 20th to January 21st. 
Twitter and Facebook removed tweets and posts from President Trump that were cited as containing misinformation before ultimately banning him from the social media platforms for 12 and 24 hours respectively. And this is just initially before we all, we all know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> In a moment of bipartisan solidarity, Congress certified President-elect Joseph R. Biden's victory in the 2020 United States presidential election early Thursday morning, January 8th, after reconvening, after reconvening, I know why I repeat that, (laughs) when the (laughs) Capitol building and grounds were cleared in the House of Representatives. Okay, that's another hiccup in the script. (laughs) (laughs) Despite the insurrection of pro-Trump insurgents and the consequences that the American experiment would face, a total of 147 Republicans composed of eight senators and 139 representatives voted to overturn election results in Arizona and Pennsylvania. According to the New York Times, Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, Senator Tommy Tuberville of Arkansas, Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith of Mississippi, Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas, and Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana voted to overturn the election results in Arizona while Hawley, Cruz, Tuberville, Hyde-Smith, Marshall, Senator Cynthia Lummis of Wyoming, and Senator Rick Scott of Florida voted to overturn the election results in Pennsylvania. The Senate rejected the Arizona objection with a vote of 93 to 6, and the House with a vote of 303 to 121, while the Senate rejected the Pennsylvania objection with a vote of 92 to 7, and the House with a vote of 282 to 138. After four years of loyal service, Vice President Pence broke with President Trump by declaring that Biden received 306 electoral votes to the 232 electoral votes President Trump received, and that President-elect Biden will be inaugurated as the 46th President of the United States of America. According to the New York Times, in a two-page letter released by the White House, Pence essentially concluded the election saying, as a student of history, saying, quote, as a student of history who loves the Constitution and reveres its framers, I do not believe that the founders of our country intended to invest the vice president with unilateral authority to decide which electoral votes should be counted during the joint session of Congress. And then no vice president in American history has ever asserted such authority. Additionally, four Republican, four Republican senators who plan to vote against election results in various states reverse their position, citing that the insurrection changed their mind. These four Republican senators are Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, Senator Kelly Leffler of Georgia, who lost the who recently lost the Senate the runoff Senate runoff election in Georgia to the Reverend Raphael Warnock, Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma and Senator Steve Daines of Montana. According to the New York Times, Senator Kelly Leffler stated on the Senate floor, quote, the events that have transpired today have forced me to reconsider, and I cannot say now, in good conscience, I object, unquote. Finally, through a tweet posted on Thursday, January 7th, on White House Deputy Chief of Staff Dan Scavino's Twitter account, President Trump said in a statement, 
Even though I totally disagree with the outcome of the election, the facts bear me out. Nevertheless, there will be an orderly transition on January 20th, unquote. The United States of America and the American experiment, which every one of its citizens participate in, stands as a shining example of the success of a republic built on the principles of democracy. That shining example was threatened by the storming of the Capitol by pro-Trump, not protesters, but insurgents who wanted to overthrow or at least somehow change the election results in favor of President Trump. In my opinion, the 147 Republicans who voted to who voted to overthrow, to overturn the election results should be, I don't even, I don't even know what should happen to them, <laughs> but <laughs> what they did was shameful. It's the not most very degree. constitutional. Yes, it isn't very constitutional. And it threatens the foundations that this country was built on. Mm-hmm. And even uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said in his speech before they voted on the Electoral College votes, he said that this was unprecedented and that if this were to be effective, then every four years it would turn into a power grab. It would transform from a free and fair election to just a power grab for every party. Yeah. Because now Sanders can, you know, they found out, oh, we can just overthrow people we don't like, you know. Yeah, that's not how it's supposed to work at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, God. On the following day, Thursday, January 7th, as the dust settled, top Democrats and a few Republicans called for President Trump's removal from office. The Capitol Police drew criticism as Democrats of the House of Representatives began an investigation into Capitol Police, and Trump allies began criticizing the President or resigning. The woman who was shot and killed by Capitol Police is later identified as, according to the New York Times, a veteran of the United States Air Force who served as an enlisted security forces controller for 14 years and was deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq. For his role in inciting insurgents to storm the Capitol building, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer threatened to impeach President Trump for a second time if Vice President Pence does not invoke the 25th Amendment of the Constitution. Section 4 of the 25th Amendment states, quote, Whenever the Vice President and the majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments or of such body as Congress may by law provide, transmit to the present pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives the written declaration that the President is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the Vice President shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president, unquote. The Department of Justice said that it would not rule out pursuing charges against President Trump. Pelosi also discussed with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley of the U.S. Army, how to limit President Trump's access to nuclear codes. No president has ever been impeached twice and convicted. It's pretty funny how Pelosi called the call up General Milley and asked him to limit Trump's uh, President Trump's access to nuclear codes. Well, yeah. 
Which yeah. is funny, but it's probably the best thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it's like Tenet, you know, where uh, Sator, he wanted to, when he died, he would basically nuke the whole world. Oh, yeah. Maybe when <laughs> President Trump leaves office, that's how he's going to go out well. and Tenet. <laughs> and we're going to have to reverse time to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> House Democrats announced the start of an investigation into Capitol Police. What happened and what could have been done differently. The chief of the Capitol Police and the sergeant at arms of the House of Representatives and Senate resigned as criticism mounted regarding the police response. Among the criticisms are a complaint of a double standard, a delay in requesting assistance from federal law enforcement agencies, and a lack of foresight, with President-elect Biden noting that, quote, no one can tell me that if, I, that if it had been a group of Black Lives Matters of Black Lives Matter protesting yesterday, they wouldn't have been treated very, very differently than the mob of thugs that stormed the Capitol, unquote, according to New York Times. Jose Servino, a 14-year veteran of Capitol Police, defended the Capitol Police response by citing the primary duty of Capitol Police is to protect lawmakers, not the building itself. While Theodius Jones, a 39-year veteran, stated that Capitol Police constantly overreacted to events with black participants. According to the New York Times, Capitol Police made only 14 arrests compared to 70 arrests made by the, made by the Metropolitan Police Department. And there's an obvious double standard by President Trump as he condemned Black Lives Matter protesters, saying, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. While he told his insurgents, we love you, and that they were very special. Oh my gosh, yeah. That is, he changed up his tone very quickly yes he did with that <laughs> in the midst of investigation and criticisms of capitol police according to an article published on friday january 8th by the new york times brian d signick a united states capitol police officer for 12 years died from injury from injuries sustained at the capitol building thursday night and became the fifth fatality linked to wednesday's events officer signick is only the fourth member of the United States Capitol Police Force to be killed ever since its founding. Several law enforcement agencies are investigating the circumstances surrounding his death and the injuries he sustained. But as of now, the only thing we know is that he was potentially clubbed in the head by a fire extinguisher. And I think we could see that in the video that mm -hmm. was published online. As of Friday, January 8th, 14 Trump administration officials have resigned in protest to Wednesday's events. Among them are Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos, Secretary of Transportation Elaine Chao, who is married to Senator Mitch McConnell, oh. Special Envoy to Northern Ireland and former Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, Deputy National Security Advisor Matthew Pottinger, Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Department of Commerce John Costello, White House Council of Economic Advisors Tyler Goodspeed, First Lady's Chief of Staff Stephanie Grissom, Social S Secretary Ricky Nisette, Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Matthews, and five National Security Council officials in addition. Facebook banned President Trump until at least he leaves office on January 20th, while Twitter permanently banned President Trump's personal accounts. <laughs> and do you know the dudes who are down bad Twitter account? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember 
after that happened, they posted a tweet that was like, dudes, you're down bad. It's just a screenshot of President Trump's account <laughs> that was suspended. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> so far, there's all the information we have regarding the Wednesday's events and the aftermath of it. So in separate news, the city of Louisville, Kentucky, still grappling with the botched raid of Breonna Taylor's apartment and her subs and her death during that raid. They hired Atlanta, Georgia's former police chief, Erica Shields, on Wednesday, January 6th, who resigned after the police killings of Rayshard Brooks. And it highlights the difficulties of filling police chief vacancies nationwide, as Shields will become the fourth police chief of the Louisville Police Department ever since March. According to an article published on Thursday, January 7th, by the New York Times, natural disasters caused $95 billion in damages in 2020, almost double the amount in 2019 and the third highest cost since 2010 this could potentially reflect the damages that climate change could cause elon musk became the richest person in the world after an increase in tesla share prices on thursday january 7th according to new york times after trading ended on thursday his net worth was 195 billion dollars 10 billion more than jeff bezos so elon musk is the richest person in the world now Wow. He'd make memes with all that money. I mean, he'd make the dankest memes with all that money now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> has he been on meme review of PewDiePie yet? I'm sure he has. Yeah, probably. But if he isn't, he should go on it now. Since he's the richest man, I'm sure there's a lot of memes surrounding that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> the December job report saw the first drop in employment levels since April, with the United States losing... 140,000 jobs, mainly in the leisure and hospitality industry. According to an article published by the New York Times on Friday, January 8th, European climate researchers announced the same day that 2020 effectively tied 2016 as the hottest year on record, with the global average temperature being about 2.25 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than the average from 1850 to 1900. That is crazy. Yeah. I... And this goes hand in hand with the uh, increase in disaster costs for the yeah. United States, as it could potentially reflect, you know, that climate change. And this again, this does reflect climate change, you know, with yeah. the warmer, the warming of the Earth, and earthquakes and stuff happen yeah. because of that. It's yeah. something we might have to get used to happening more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. In, in entertainment news, the 63rd <laughs> Grammy Awards have been delayed from Sunday, January 31st to Sunday, March 14th, mm-hmm. due to concerns in the novel coronavirus in Los Angeles. And California has been getting, I think now they're considered the new epicenter. Oh, are Since New York, yeah, because they're getting yeah. fucked right now. Yeah. I think they started triaging people there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, uh, they're saying... Don't call the ambulance unless it's absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. They're telling people in the ICU units uh, in hospitals to ration oxygen and only give it to people when they're, like, dying. Wow. So, yeah, that's good that they delayed it. Yeah. Uh, we have the Call Me Carson grooming allegations, and this came off the back of Pyrocynical's grooming allegations, which Pyrocynical made a re- really good apology video, too. I know you're not really of this stuff Mm-mm, i don't but, know much about this yeah but pyrocynical basically he 
made a really good apology video that which he takes responsibility and it's really good and I think he's you know well yeah but is there any way to like justify your like I don't know it's you know, in the video he says but he says like it's me. just like a uh, I'll, I'll need to rewatch it again but basically for Call Me Carson he the allegations are that he uh, sexted a 17 year old while he was 19 Mm-hmm. And the the 17-year-old at the time uh, posted on her Twitter account proof of that through with Discord messages and all that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they were allegations. I think they're they're pretty much proven that they're real. Oh, okay. So, and the age gap isn't that weird. I mean, when it's younger, it's weird, of course. Yeah, but it's just it's just illegal. Yeah, it it's is. just bad. It is. The age gap isn't that bad. It's just the power dynamic that he has. Yeah, because that's. What is consent when a fan, you know, he's he has someone power yeah, over her. Yeah, he does. That's not, yeah. And she's only a fan. And finally, we have the Kim Kardashian <laughs> and Kanye West ru- rumors that they're going to divorce. And the rumors oh, that Kanye West cheated on Kim Kardashian with Jeffree Star. <laughs> so, okay, that <laughs> is just so funny to me. <laughs> Why? Because... So, I heard about that, and then I opened TikTok, which I haven't watched in forever. Yeah. And that's all everything was about, was the Kanye West and a Jeffree Star thing, conspiracy yeah. that they're hooking up and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then I watched, Jeffree Star made a video about it, yeah. and he said, like, pretty much no. He said, he literally said, I like tall men, so <laughs> no. How tall is Kanye, though? He's, I guess he's short, but... Let me Google this. It's just so funny to me that that's what was taking over the news, or social media news. He's 5'8". Who even started that? Like, you know, that rumor that... Appara- according to Jeffree Star, he said some girl just started it to yeah. get views, and then it yeah. took off, and everybody was talking yeah. about it. Well, rumors have, like, no matter how untrue they might be they self you know maybe uh connie west and kim kardashian's marriage didn't go that well yeah maybe but it's just crazy to me that they said jeffree star of all people was hooking up with him yeah i don't know why but it's just but google said he's five eight which it's that's pretty tall i think jeffree star is much that's, taller yeah i don't know I though you have tall jeffree stars then He's pretty, yeah, he's 6'1". He's 6'1", six one. Six one. Yeah. Jesus. Okay, so. So, he's short to him. Oh, well, good luck to him finding men taller than him because uh, yeah, 6'1 I mean, is pretty tall for men in the United States. Oh, I guess it's because in Jeffree Star has a song from a long time ago where he says something about hooking up with Kanye and yeah. now he's one of the boys or something like that. Yeah. So, people <laughs> took off with that and are like, he, it, it was true, literally. it was true yeah. now. He's one of the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Connie's yeah. one of the boys. So funny. And we have the Cardi B thing too. Oh, where, the Cardi B thing? Yeah, where yeah. she got controversy for not letting her, whatever, her toddler. Oh, yeah. There was a video of her. infant kid. No, not infant, but toddler kid from listening to her wet ass pussy song. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I guess there's a video of her 
singing it in her bathroom or something and dancing, singing WAP. Yeah. But then she saw her kid walk in and she turned yeah. it off really quick. Yeah. And people were mad about that. They were saying like, you can't, so your kid can't listen to it, but our kids can. And she. Well, it's like, it's not like her kid can like go on her phone and turn on Spotify and it's not like her kid's old enough to do that. Well, but she stopped her from doing it, which it's oh, like. Yeah. She did clap back and say, like, it's not, I make music for adults. I never said that my music was for children. Yeah. So if your kids are listening to that, that's your fault. Yeah. Like, you're not yeah. paying attention, obviously. Yeah. Which is true. It's like, you can't blame her. She did not make, she doesn't make music for kids. And with that logic, there can't be anything for adults because yeah. <laughs> you got to be mad at everything that's yeah. for adults then. Yeah. If kids are you watching. You can't have your... Fifty Shades of Grey. It's not their, f- like, <laughs> you know, it's not her fault. Yeah, it isn't her fault. Yeah. Yeah. You ready to wrap this up? Yeah. I have to go to work. Yeah. So, <laughs> along with the conclusion of this week, is the conclusion of episode one of The Weekly Show. If you want to get in contact with us, follow us on Instagram at The Weekly Show BG and on Twitter at The Weekly Show BG as well. Send an email to theweeklyshowpodcast.bg at gmail.com and tell us what you think about the episode. Again, that's the weekly show podcast, decimal, bravo golf at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we wish you have a great weekend and a great next week. And we'll see you next Sunday with the weekly news. Yep. Bye. Bye. <laughs>